0: Of applause everyone around the building. I started a series last week entitled What Gospel Do You Believe? What Gospel Do You Believe? You know, I'm very conscious of the fact that we go to Italian restaurants here in America and they have an American flavor. I recently had my nephew uh, and his new wife uh, come and visit. We came home from Uh, vacation, and that same day picked them up from the airport, and uh, they had already spent a week in New York, and needless to say, I heard from them on numerous occasions how they would go and eat Italian food, but it wasn't really like Italian food in Italy. You see, I learned this here a long time ago. When I want to eat real Asian food, I go downtown to a Chinatown area and I watch where Asian people go and eat. If you want real Asian food you go where Asian people eat. And every culture of food we doctor it somewhat and it takes on an American appeal so that it appeals to Americans. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Sometimes We have the same effect on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this series is entitled, What Gospel Do You Believe? Do you believe the gospel that Jesus came preaching? I want to start with Matthew chapter 4. I read a couple of these verses last week, and I just want to flavor and set the stage for today's message. In Matthew chapter 4, if you have your Bible, turn with me, verse 23 and it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, one of the things you're going to notice, and if you haven't noticed it before, I trust that after today, whenever you read the gospels, you will notice That as Jesus preached the good news or the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, it was always followed with miracles. It was followed with casting out demons. It was followed with people being healed and set free. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching. Now that's two verses in a row He's teaching in their synagogues. How many of you would love to hear Jesus teach? How many of you would be curious to hear exactly what he taught? Hey, here he is again teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus makes a statement, he said, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that's why I came. You see, here in America, we can often bring the gospel down to a common denominator, but unfortunately, it often becomes the lowest common denominator. And I don't mean it's the most, the, the least important thing, but it's the one thing that everyone will agree on, and so that's what we settle on, and that is that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for our sins so that we can be born again and go to heaven. Now, I said it's not the least thing that he did. It's the most important thing that he did. But it's not the only reason why he came. If the word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit, then we have to take this verse as the inspired word of God. And Jesus says, I came to preach this message, to teach this message, to open the eyes, to open people's mindset." to bring them to a whole new place of understanding that they would know the good news of the kingdom of God. He said that's one of the reasons why he came. Now, we have always settled in our mind Jesus came to die on the cross. Yes, he did. But he also came to turn the world upside down. Can I get an agreement? And the message he preaches turns the world upside down because the message of the gospel of, king, of the kingdom of God resets the order or the disorder of this world and it brings it back into divine order, the way order, the way God had designed it to be. Absolutely. The preaching of the gospel of the kingdom is a lot more than just How do you get to heaven? The gospel of the kingdom of God is about God's invasion on earth. And when God has an invasion on earth, that means he's having an invasion in people's lives. He's having an invasion in their marriage. He's having an invasion in their children. He's having an invasion in their community. By the way, I think we could all agree America needs a new invasion. It needs an invasion of the kingdom of God. In Matthew 24, verse 14, he said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom. So we see that Jesus went into the synagogues and he taught. Proclaiming the kingdom of God. So he didn't teach one thing and then say, Oh, by the way, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a magic phrase, it's a subject. The kingdom of God is not a religious phrase, it's a purpose. You see, the message of the kingdom of God is about God's purpose. In the garden, Adam was given God's authority and he was God's representative. But when Adam fell, he didn't just turn the world into turmoil. He handed the right of governorship and rulership of this world to Satan. Now Jesus talks about in the restoration of all things. He's got a plan, he set it into motion, and it's on a progressive journey. But he came to introduce a novel thing. The kingdom of God has invaded the earth that has been under the dominion of darkness. And God has decided enough is enough And he has established his kingdom on earth through Jesus Christ. And that kingdom is very much here today. It is alive. It is powerful. And it is destructive to the kingdom of darkness. Jesus said, I must go to other towns and bring this message. And unfortunately, we have developed over the years a gospel here in America that preaches everything but the message of the kingdom of God on earth. We teach people how to go from this life and how to prepare themselves so that they could go to heaven in the next life. But when Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, It's a gospel of heaven coming to earth. Now, if that's not true, then Jesus lied and blasphemed when he taught his disciples how to pray. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. John taught his disciples how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Start by giving glory to the Father, our Father who is in heaven, blessed, hallowed, glorified be your name. And then he said, Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, Jesus came to invade Satan's safe place. The earth had become the kingdom of darkness's safe place. And Jesus Christ came to turn the apple cart upside down. Jesus Christ came to break into the strong man's house and to declare today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that captives are set free. Today is the day of miracles. I've come to preach a gospel of freedom. Come on. So Jesus says, now this gospel needs to be preached to the end of the age. And I think we've put a little bit of a cultural flair on the gospel, and we've left out some very important things. We know what it is to be born again, but a lot of people really struggle to know what the gospel of the kingdom of God is. And so I'm going to start with Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, we're going to read verse 1, verse 8, uh, uh, all the way to verse 11, and then verse 17. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place that he was about to go. Now, He's sending out 72 disciples. If you read Luke chapter 9, he just sent out the 12 disciples. And everything he tells the 72, he had already told the 12. So he's enlarging his ranks. He's increasing his preachers. Here, let me put it another way. He just convinced the mind's Of an extra 60 people. He told the 12 to go door to door. And preach the good news of the kingdom of heaven. The good news is. God's reign has come to earth. Now he's convinced another 60 young men. Of the same message. And he sends them out. And we're going to watch. What he downloads to them. And what he downloads to us. So after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go. Stop. Did you realize that Jesus had an advanced team? We read about all the miracles that happened, but he had an advanced team. And their message was to prepare the minds of the people. How many of you remember last week I preached and I showed you how in Isaiah the prophet said that God would send one who would prepare the way of the Lord. Now here's Jesus. He starts with 12. Now he has 72. He's increasing his ranks, and he sends them out as advance men to prepare the minds of the people So that when he comes to the city, there is a readiness and they have been preconditioned to hear the good news of the kingdom of God. Amazing. The same way Jesus by himself went from city to city teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. In verse, in chapter 9, he does it with the 12. He says, now you guys do it, and I'll follow you up. And then in chapter 10, he tells 72 people, you go ahead and do it. Teach the good news. Proclaim the good news of the kingdom of heaven, and I'm going to come in after you. You see, we wonder why Jesus performs so many miracles, And you can say, well, he performed miracles because he's God. Yes, he is God. But everything that Jesus Christ did on earth, he did as the last Adam, the model of what every person born again into him is capable of doing. The first Adam failed. In God's plan of redemption, he didn't just redeem you. He redeemed the image of what man was meant to look like. We only ever think about our personal redemption. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. But in this gospel of salvation, when we don't preach the whole gospel of the kingdom... We delete the fact that Jesus came to redeem the purpose of man on earth. And the purpose of man is to be a representative of God and to exercise and execute the authority and the power of God on earth. I'm so glad you came, Donna. Can anyone agree with Donna? Absolutely. So he says, watch this here. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Verse 9, heal the sick who are there. Heal them. He didn't give any options. He said, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Isn't it interesting that every time Jesus taught and proclaimed the kingdom of God... He then healed the sick. Why do those two things constantly go hand in hand? Because sickness was a result of the fall, and at the fall, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of death, not the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of life, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of death, put its covering over the world. And the world has been living in darkness, and the world has been living under the spirit of death. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of light, and it's a kingdom of life. And so when Jesus preaches the kingdom of God, when he preaches that gospel, he is breaking through the kingdom of darkness and breaking the curse of death, breaking the curse of infirmity, breaking everything that is similar and a byproduct of the kingdom of darkness. Today, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel that God cares enough that he's not going to leave you here in misery till you die and go to heaven. He has brought his kingdom to earth, and his kingdom is very much alive. It is real, and it is ready to go to work. Can I get an agreement? He says to them in verse 9, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now sometimes we lose the scope of everything the word of God is trying to tell us because things get lost in translation. And this expression, the kingdom of God is near to you, can sound a little vague. It's near. I want to show you what this actually says in the Greek manuscripts because so much is lost. I want to share some secrets with you. I want to show you stuff that isn't normally taught and isn't visible on the surface. How many of you are ready to go somewhere deeper in the Word of God today? Are you with me? All right. We're going to look up the word near Jesus said, tell people the kingdom of God is near. If we're gonna preach the good news of the gospel of heaven, we need to understand, we need to dissect, we need to rip apart. We gotta get out of the attitude of just being satisfied with religious phrases and not really understanding what they mean and how it works. In the helps word study uh, commentary, we look up the word near in the Greek, and we see this in the Strong's as well, and it is the word "egizo." edizo. It occurs 14 times in the Greek in the perfect tense. So this word is used in the perfect tense in the Greek language. Now, how many of you like grammar? How many of you did really good at grammar in school? I I hate it. I can see most of you hated grammar too. But I'm going to ask you to just stay with me for a couple of minutes because I want to show you something in grammar that will blow the lid off of this message, but more importantly, blow the lid off of your concept of the kingdom of God. I'm going to prove something theologically that is often lost literally in translation. Are you with me? Yes. Do you want to see it? Yes. Because I'm going to show you anyway. <laughs> All right. What is the perfect tense? What does that mean? I'll be honest with you. The, I, I am not a specialist when it comes to grammar, so I use every tool that I can. And so I researched the Greek perfect tense, and I went to ezraproject.com and pulled up their lesson on Greek tenses. This is what the perfect tense is. The perfect tense in Greek is used to describe a completed action which produced results which are still in effect all the way up to the present. Notice, the perfect tense carries two ideas. Number one. Completed action, number two, continuing results. The action was completed at some time in the past, and the results continue up to the present. So when Jesus sent his disciples to declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand, they were mirroring, they were echoing his teaching in the synagogues, and he was saying, listen, Israel, The kingdom of God has come. It's invisible, but it's here. At one time, the Pharisees approached Jesus, and because he was always preaching about the kingdom, they were challenging him on a physical kingdom. That was their mindset. They wanted to see the kingdom of David established. They wanted to see the Roman government overthrown. How many of you know you can establish an earthly government but it'll never have power over a supernatural government. And so Jesus didn't come to re-elevate Israel to a place of the golden dynasty of King David. He came to right the wrong from the Garden of Eden. Adam was given the authority of God to rule over the earth. It was always God's intention that his sons and daughters look at the person next to you. Come on, turn to somebody. If they're born again, that's a son, that's a daughter. It was always god 's intention that the sons of God would live on the earth and rule it and reign on the earth as god 's representatives. Come on, if you believe that 's the character of God, give him an amen If we look up I went to another website that teaches Greek as well and In lesson 23 at the New Testament Greek.net, they had a whole lesson on what the present tense means, or the perfect tense is, and this is what it says. The perfect tense is a primary tense because it emphasizes the present or ongoing result of a completed action. The perfect tense in Greek corresponds to the perfect tense in English, and is illustrated in the following sentences, and in each sentence observe what is suggested about the present status. So in other words, if in English, because this corresponds to the present tense in English, in English you can say, I have learned the material in the previous lesson. And what that indicates is a present status. I still know the material from the previous lesson. We're going we're gonna to forward to this little, um, guys, if we could go forward to the little chart because it will be so much clearer in the chart. Can I have the colored chart up on the screen? Have a look at this chart. Do we have it? Oh, good, great. Great. In the perfect tense, which corresponds to the Greek perfect tense, we say, I have learned the material in the previous lesson, and it infers I still know the material. It's ongoing. But in the simple past tense, we say, I learned the material in the previous lesson. I learned, but subsequently, I may have forgotten it. I learned it. I don't remember it. See the difference? Jesus spoke in the perfect tense in the Greek when he said the kingdom of God is near. Here, here's another example. She has made a cake for dessert. The implication is the cake is now available to be served or to be eaten. But if you say she made a cake for dessert, it could also mean she made it but it's not available anymore. So the perfect tense brings greater definition. It defines that it not only happened, but it's still available. And that's the difference between the perfect tense. The grass has grown tall. In other words, it is still tall, and it needs to be mowed. Whereas in the simple past, the grass grew tall, but it could imply somebody came along and mowed it. In other words, in verse 9, Jesus said, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come and it is here for you to experience. It's very important that we understand the gospel and understand the language that Jesus taught it. When Jesus said the kingdom of God is near, that could be anywhere. Everything is relative. The moon is near in comparison to Jupiter. But that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus said is you go into every city And you go into every house and tell them what I've been teaching in the synagogues. The kingdom of God has come to earth. The realm where God is boss. The realm where God is in control. The realm where captives are set free. People are delivered from depression. People are set free from demonic activity. People are healed in their body. The realm of God's jurisdiction has come to earth and it's here for you to experience That's pretty cool, isn't it? All of a sudden, how many of you just appreciated grammar? When we see why it's relevant, it has a greater bearing on us. Now watch this. So verse 9, he virtually said, "Heal the sick." Do you know why there weren't any options? He said, heal the sick. Because sickness, oppression, all the things you and I would normally struggle with in the world, the things that take life from us, the things that cause us to have thoughts of suicide, the things that make us want to give up, the things that make us feel powerless, and when we believe that, we are rendered powerless. All of those things in the gospel of the kingdom of God are brought back into divine order because the gospel of the kingdom of God says, Satan isn't the Lord, Jesus is. And that's why ever since Jesus Christ came, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is king of all kings and Lord of all lords. You see, the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God is that heaven has invaded earth, and it's not just a time in the past. It is the perfect tense in the Greek. It invaded earth, and it's here for everyone to enjoy and eat from the fruit of the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Verse 17. No, sorry, verse 10, verse 10. But when you enter a town, I just read to you verse 9. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is here for you to experience. Verse 10. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Now watch this. Yet be sure of this. In other words, mark my words and make sure you understand this. The kingdom of God has come near in the perfect tense. It is here, and it's ready for you to tap into and live from. Wow. Verse 17 Just a couple of verses later, they go out, they come back, and they report back to Jesus. And it says the 72 returned. How many did he send out? 72. The 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even demons submit to us in your name. That's the whole idea, guys. Jesus is listening, and he's thinking, you're getting it, aren't you? You heard it from me, but now you're seeing it. You're experiencing it. That at the name of Jesus, every demon will tremble. When you know the power of the name of Jesus, then demons know that there is power in that name because your faith is linked in what that name can do. Amen. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will by any means harm you. Church, do you understand you've been robbed? And most Christians in America have been robbed, and they've been robbed from the pulpit because you've been given just enough gospel to get you to heaven. But the gospel that Jesus came preaching over and over again was the gospel of the good news that the kingdom of heaven has been established on earth And everyone born again in a Jesus Christ has the rights and the citizenship of that kingdom. And if your gospel is only going to take you to heaven, thank God, that is the most important thing. Without a question, that is the most important thing. But when you live in a world that's crazy, here, I just got an illustration. I'm going to put it to you this way. Wherever you stand on gun ownership. Americans will defend their right to have a gun, because of their right to defend their home, whether you agree with it or not. Why isn't the church savvy on their right of the, the rights of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? We live in a world where Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus made it clear the thief comes to steal kill and destroy, and he'll knock on your door, and he'll harass anyone under your covering that he can. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, and here's the church. We are all full of our rights to bear arms, but we don't even know that we have a right to crush the enemy under our feet. Come on now. If an enemy, if someone with ill intent came knocking at my door and they said they wanted to harass or abuse or misuse anyone in my family, I'd be the first one in the natural to stand up against them and say, no, you're not. Not under my watch. In this house, I'm protector. I'm not just husband. I'm not just dad. I'm protector. Well, where are the men of God in the house of God, who should be taught from the pulpit that the good news of the gospel is all about the fact that we have a right and we have authority. You have access to military power in the Spirit. Hallelujah. You have access to the authority and the power that comes in the name of Jesus Christ. So many people want to throw rocks at this gospel and they'll say, no, that's not for today. Uh, God will do a miracle whenever he's in the mood, but we can't just lay hands on the sick and, a, a, and pray for a healing. That doesn't happen anymore today. That only happened back there in the gospels because Jesus wanted to launch his religion. See, They're so caught up in the gospel of repentance and salvation... They don't know that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And in the gospel of the kingdom, Satan can never be Lord. In the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, demons never have the right. In the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, you are elevated because you have been excavated from the kingdom of darkness and you have been elevated into the kingdom of the son that he dearly loves. I'm not just born again, hoping and begging and waiting to get to heaven. No, God caused you to be born again, and he wants you to know this gospel because he wants to build his kingdom on earth through each and every one of us. And we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know what the gospel of the kingdom of God is. We need to know that heaven backs us. We need to know that demons are liars. And when we stand on the word of God, the word of God will override the word of the enemy. Come on now. Come on now. See, Jesus made it very clear. What is the gospel of the kingdom of God? Or why is the gospel of the kingdom of God always associated with power and authority over the enemy? Notice Jesus sends them out. He says, preach that the kingdom of God is here and it's ready for you to experience. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. Why, does it always, why is it always associated with authority and power over the enemy and healing? This is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Are you ready? Number 1. The kingdom of God is here and it's now. Everybody repeat this after me. In fact, look to some look at somebody and repeat this after me. Go on, look at somebody. The kingdom of God, kingdom of God is here, is here. And, it's and it's now. If you don't believe that, you don't believe what Jesus preached. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God. We've Americanized the Bible. We've Americanized the gospel. We've reduced it to the lowest acceptable common denominator. I'll be the first one to say it is an important common denominator. You must be born again. Every man, every woman, every person must ask Jesus Christ into their heart. You can't get into the kingdom of God unless you are born again. But to reduce the words of Jesus Christ and to reduce the gospel is to almost open the door and allow the kingdom of darkness into the rest of our environment. Even corrupt governments of the world have enough wisdom to know that if someone has been a child molester, the community that they are living in should be forewarned. Even corrupt, crooked, bigoted, self-interested governments know enough to know they have a fiduciary responsibility to the communities they serve, and therefore they should be given notice. The kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God is this the devil's a bully. And the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's come to curse people. And he's come to disrupt marriages. And he's come to turn love into unforgiveness, and hate and resentment. But the kingdom of darkness is now subject to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God has come to break the works of the enemy. The kingdom of God has come to set captives free. The kingdom of God has come to deliver you, to heal you, to accept you, not to reject you. John, the apostle, not John the Baptist, John the apostle wrote in one of his letters, and he said, this is why the Son of God was made manifest, to destroy every work of the kingdom of darkness. You see, we preach the gospel of salvation, and then we want to say that everything related to the gospel of the kingdom of God isn't for today. Well, the only reason why it can't be for today is if you disavow the gospel that Jesus preached. But if you're going to believe the gospel that Jesus preached, then you have to believe the whole gospel. See, I read a book a long time ago, full gospel, half gospel, quarter gospel. And the devil would rather you believe a quarter gospel than a full gospel. If the devil can't stop you from being saved and going to heaven one day, he wants to stop you from having the knowledge that you are meant to be God's representative on earth. You're not meant to be bullied. You're not meant to be pushed around. It is not God's will for you to be beat up and miserable because that's how God gets glorified. Could you imagine that as the senior pastor... If all of my, my pastors under me were miserable and that's how I got glorified, what would that say about me? It wouldn't, wouldn't say much about me, would it? How many of you would want to be a pastor under me if I felt glorified every time I made my pastors miserable? Anybody willing to sign up? The good news of the gospel of heaven is that hell met more than its match in Jesus Christ? The good news of the gospel of heaven is that the kingdom of God is near. Perfect tense. It is here, it has come, and it's available for you and I to step into and enjoy the benefits and the rights of being a citizen. Heaven. Religion always, the demon of religion will take revelation and make it irrelevant by projecting it into the future. I got a couple of wows here. The demon of religion will always take revelation. And make it irrelevant by projecting it into the future. I'll give you a quick example. Jesus says to Mary and Martha, don't worry, your brother will rise. You know what religion said? Yes, we know in the resurrection, somewhere in the distant future, he will rise again. And Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection, and the life. If the I am that I am is the center of your gospel, then the reason why he is I am that I am is because he's not reserving anything for the future. Everything he is, he is now, and he is today, and he is for you. Come on, if you believe that, say thank you, Jesus. Give them a shout. Get excited about the good news of the gospel of heaven. Too many Christians in America have got a gospel that forgives them of their sins, and one day they tote the fact, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. And if the devil can't stop you from going to heaven, he's happy that you're not a menace to him on earth. God set up a kingdom and devised this concept of sinners being born again into Jesus Christ. Think about it. Everything that God does is logical. And people think that the things of God are never logical. No, they are. Look, confusion is never logical. Is confusion ever logical? The kingdom of darkness is a kingdom of confusion because while people are losing a sense of direction and they are in confusion, they are easy prey. Logic belongs to a kingdom of order and everything about God is orderly and therefore the things of God are logical. So watch, in the gospel of the kingdom of God, a king came from heaven to take back authority from a king from hell, to release the people who were in a land of darkness so that they could see the light. And the reason why you need to be born again is because you were born into the first Adam who was a slave to the kingdom of darkness. But when you are born again, you are born again into the last Adam, who is the king of heaven. And when you are born again into the last Adam, the king of heaven, you are taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought under the government of God's sphere of influence, sphere of influence. You are no longer a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. You are today, right now, on earth, surrounded by a kingdom of hell, but you are living in the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is living in you. I started to say earlier that the people said to Jesus, Where's the kingdom? Where's the kingdom? He said, It doesn't come with careful observation of the eye. It's the invisible kingdom. There's coming a time where the kingdom will become visible, but that's in the restoration of all things. We're in the beginning of the restoration. And right now he's brought an invisible kingdom. And I live in the kingdom of God. I am a citizen of heaven long before I'm a citizen of the United States of America. And before I fall on my rights as a citizen of the USA, I immediately, long before I take my rights as a citizen of an earthly kingdom, I stand on the fact that I am a son of God and I am seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. You see, when you understand the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, it's all about taking humanity from being servants and slaves to the kingdom of darkness and reinstating them to where the first Adam would have been if he never fell. You and I have been reinstated into the likeness of Jesus Christ and we live in his kingdom on earth so that we could terrorize the kingdom of darkness. (laughs) Most Christians keep going to church to make sure that they're still going to heaven because that's the gospel they've been taught. I go to church so that my sword can be sharpened so that during the week I can cut off the head of Goliath and his five brothers. You're not meant to be pushed around. You're not meant to be bullied. You're not meant to have a, a 12-foot ceiling filled with problems. You're meant to speak to every one of those adversities and every one of those would-be disasters and speak to them in the name of Jesus Christ. Why is the church so weak? Because all we've been given is a gospel of salvation. My sins are forgiven. I'm going to heaven. And that's why most of the church is just looking for the great escape. We call it the rapture. And it will happen. But in the meantime, God wants us to have revival. Praise God. Are you with me, church? Yeah, God is good. Hey. See, I'm going to close with this. Last week's message was that's not the gospel. John preached repentance and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Point one. Point two some churches preach, some, you must be born again repent, and be baptized. But Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God and spent his entire ministry explaining and demonstrating the kingdom of God. In the four gospels, he spoke of the kingdom of God over 100 times. Now the question is this, and I conclude. What gospel do you believe? Do you believe the American version or you believe the Jesus version? And Jesus said I must go to every town and spread the good news that humanity doesn't have to pay its debt to the kingdom of darkness. I came and I want every town to know that there's a new sheriff in town. Hallelujah. I came to break the control and the bondage of demonic spirits, to break curses off of people's lives. I came not just so that you have a passage one day to heaven. I came and established you in the heavenly places seated with me. Think about it. In the gospel of the kingdom of God, You've been taken out from under the feet of demons, out of their kingdom, out of their supervision, out of their control. You've been born out of the old Adam and into the new Adam and brought into the kingdom of God under the sphere and the influence of God's government. Why do you live in fear? Why do you worry about what's going to happen to you? Why are you so panicky about this epidemic and this disease and the finances and the economy? I want to tell you, If you understand the gospel of the kingdom of God, then the economy is not going to leave you shaking in your boots. If you understand the gospel of the kingdom of God, it's the gospel that says you could be in your father's fishing boat and you could have had that fishing business in your family for the last 30 years and you can know the sea like the back of your hand. And even though the winds are blowing, and normally this is how fishermen die. In the middle of this world, you and the king of kings are in it together. And you're living in a kingdom that is greater than the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of God. What gospel do you believe? If you've only been told that your sins are forgiven and now God loves you and you're going to heaven, that's a wonderful gospel but somebody robbed you of the whole gospel, and you weren't told the whole gospel. I want to believe the gospel Jesus preached. And in the gospel that Jesus preached, we become sons of God, and we are seated in heavenly places. Think about it. I said the Bible is logical. God is logical. Where there is order, there is logic. Where there is disorder, there is confusion. The kingdom of darkness is a kingdom of disorder. It is a kingdom of confusion. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of order, and where there's order, there is logic. Listen to this. You are seated in heavenly places. There are three heavens. The heavens immediately over this earth. That's where principalities of darkness live. Do you understand you've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness? You've been taken out of the heritage of the first Adam, You were born again into a second chance, but you were born again into the last Adam. You were brought out of that kingdom of darkness, put into the kingdom of God, and elevated to the third heavens, seated in heavenly places. You understand why? Because the powers of darkness that are in the first heaven are meant to be under your feet. praise god I am uh <laughs> if you want to believe the gospel of the kingdom of god I'm going to teach it to you over the next couple of weeks I may say some things that'll turn the apple cart upside down but I promise you that I will teach you what the word of god says and not what tradition says and not what our American culture says. Because if we're going to have a revival, it's not going to be an American revival. It needs to be a God revival. It needs to be a revival that comes from heaven. Can I get an amen? I'm not anti america I'm an American. And I'm proud to be an American. But I will never allow my Americanism to trump the kingdom of God. I am first and foremost a son of heaven. I am a citizen of heaven. I happen to live in the United States of America, and I consider myself fortunate, but I am extremely blessed for being a son of God and a citizen of heaven. If you agree, give me an amen and stand at the same time. Amen. Listen, your country needs you. But America doesn't need you to believe in a watered-down gospel. America doesn't need you to believe in a fairy tale. America needs the church of Jesus Christ to get back to the roots of what is written in the Word of God and to believe the gospel the way it was preached by Jesus Christ. Am I losing some friends? America needs the church of Jesus Christ to look like the church of Jesus Christ. Hello? And the church of Jesus Christ doesn't fly the flag of a nation. It flies the flag of the kingdom of heaven and every nation on earth. Amen. Absolutely. It's not peculiar to us. The kingdom of God has come for the whole world. Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes with me? I keep saying, you must be born again because Jesus said it. How can you enter into this world where the kingdom of darkness is under your feet? How can you enter into a world where you have authority and you can expect to have the victory? You must be born again. You must be born again. And it's not about religion. It's not about going to church. It's about asking Jesus Christ into your heart. If you have never, if you have never, had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ today I'm calling you to do that because religion this church no church not your catholic church sorry if you get offended not your baptist church not your pentecostal church not even grace and faith can save you only a relationship with Jesus Christ and we need to get out of our traditions and get back to the Word of God. Amen. If you're ready to ask Jesus to be your Lord, to come into your life, if you're willing to sign your life over to Him, and you realize you need a Savior, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, I want to accept Jesus Christ in my life. Come on. I see that hand. Thank you. 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 How many others? Who else wants to ask Jesus into your heart? You want to accept Christ. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. I, I see your hand, young man. You can put it down. God bless you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Every one of you who raised your hand... Look at me for a moment. Jesus hears everything we say, and he knows what's going on in our heart, okay? He's here right now. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and basically we're going to say, Jesus Christ, I need you. I want you. Come into my life. I'm surrendering to you. Now, I'm going to ask everyone to pray that prayer, but those of you who raised your hands, especially you, say it from your heart. Mean it. And God reads our hearts, and He knows when we're sincere. So, church, repeat after me. Those of you who raise your hand, repeat after me. Dear God, I know you love me. I believe this gospel. Jesus Christ. You died on the cross for me. I open my heart. I open my life. And I surrender to you, Jesus Christ. Come and live in me. And take control of my life. Forgive me of all of my mistakes wash my sins away break the power of the kingdom of darkness off of my life today i become a son of god a child of god i receive you jesus amen amen come on church let's give them a big round of applause